Hey everybody, what's up? It's your boy MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the owner and winemaker of Moray Brelin Wines, Moray Brelin. Uh, Moray graduated from the University of California at Davis, UC Davis, with a degree in psychology. After moving to Healdsburg in Sonoma, she quickly discovered that she enjoyed wine more than her chosen profession. And Moray has worked at Silver Oak, Costa Brown, Martinelli, and Hall, to name a few. Welcome, Moray. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. Super. Thanks so much for having me. I knew this was going to be awesome when you first sent me some wines and and you had the rescue wine and my wife was like, oh my God, I love the bottle, um, <laughs> but which we'll get into all that later. Um, what are we drinking this afternoon? What'd you, what'd you ring? Yeah. So these are my inaugural vintage 2021, two different Pinot Noirs that I make. One is from the Russian River. Well, they're both from the Russian River. One is two vineyards. The other is a single vineyard. Okay. And which one should we open first to taste? I would say the Russian River. Okay, very cool. And while you're doing that, um, well, I'll do that because you're my guest. <laughs> um, I'd like to start at the beginning. So where did you grow up? I'm a California born and raised. Uh, that's why I have the California poppy on my labels. And I grew up in this small little town called Patterson. So if you're driving along I-5, you blink and you missed the exit. It's very small. <laughs> I was there when we got a McDonald's. It was oh, huge. <laughs> wow. I was like it was like it was like a big thing, right? Oh yeah. There was a line for about two weeks. Oh my <laughs> Yeah. You could drive to the big city Modesto okay, and gonna... and go and get McDonald's and then come back and still be quicker than the line was. How so so Modesto, so is that considered so Patterson is part of that Central Valley? Yep. Okay. Yep, okay. yep. Uh, farm town, although my dad commuted to the Bay Area as a commercial plumber, and my mom took care of me and my siblings. I was, uh, we had, she had three under three, if you can imagine that. Whoa. Yeah. Very Catholic of your family. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Crazy mom. I don't know how she did it. I don't know how my brother and sister and I are all, are all still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's, I mean, because there's no, that's just fighting. That's pretty much fair fighting, too. Oh, yeah. There's uh -huh. no bully there. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's no demonstrable bully. Like, there's no, like, I had a, a sister who was three years older. So, you know, there was a time when she, she didn't bully me, but I wouldn't mess with her. Like, sure. you guys are all grown up together. You're like, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many times we got told to sit on our hands in the car? <laughs> Bronson's looking at me. Bronson, sit on your hands. Don't look at your sister. <laughs> oh, poor woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that whole thing. He's looking at me. Um, yeah. So what's it like growing up in like an ag community? Well, there were a lot of parties in the orchard really? growing up. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's where we, we went in high school. Um, it was more so almonds and apricots. We used to be the apricot capital of the world. But now, 20 or 30 years later, it is uh, Amazon distribution centers there, restoration hardwares. You know, so they replaced all of the orchards with with warehouses. What did what she say? Uh Pave paradise and put up a parking lot. Yep. <laughs> we went from the apricot capital of the world mm -hmm. to Amazon. Amazon <laughs> distribution. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so 
Are you the oldest? Or what, where, where are you in the order of children in your family? Sure. Uh, so I'm actually now I'm one of eight kids because my parents divorced and okay. my dad remarried. And so in that order, I'm the upper middle. I'm number four. But growing up, I was the youngest. And then my parents adopted a boy when I was about five. And so then I was almost the youngest. But I was still old enough at that point to have the youngest mentality, <laughs> to have the I'm going to get away with everything <laughs> type situation, hence uh, not liking the word no. <laughs> Dad's little princess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Um, did you do the whole Sierra thing? I didn't. Really? No, I know. I'm I'm surprised too. I I mean cuz everything else is lined up with being Mexican. I know. <laughs> I know. My parents didn't want to throw us a party, I guess. Wow. <laughs> but I will tell you that I threw my cat a cat senera. Yep. Okay. When she was 15. Un- unpack that for for for, for my guess. So cuz for, so, so for for our listeners, so there may be some people because people do this around the world. So first of all, tell them what a quinceanera is, yes. and then tell them about this quinceanera. <laughs> so a quinceanera, quince, fifteen in Spanish, and so when a when a female turns fifteen, she has a kind of like a coming out party, and and so uh, my cat turned fifteen, and so I threw her a quinceanera, and we had a, a live Mexican band, a taco bar. She had three outfit changes and a two-tiered wet cat food cake and a puppy pinata. See, <laughs> and about forty-five, fifty people came out. I was gonna say, so she, <laughs> like, she just skipped over because she didn't have one. She's probably some. It's a little sore for her, yeah. but it's like a, it's a big deal. I didn't know about it until I really moved to California. I'd seen sure. it in movies, but like, it's a, it's like. And it's like it's coming out. It's like a cotillion or a prom, and mm-hmm. like like people rent cars and limos, and the yeah. guys wear tuxes. They and have a big their white dresses, dress. They have a big mm-hmm. dress. Yeah. And like you said, and then it's this party. There's there's a band. There's like a large these look like a large marriage band or whatever. And and mm-hmm. and just it's just and I would have to assume some of them go over into the night because it's just yeah adult. But you had. <laughs> And there's outfit changes. So she had three outfit changes for her. She did. She did. She had a, like a reception veil, which was like this lace uh, veil that my mom made for her because unconditional love, as we talked about with moms. (laughs) And, and then she had a really pretty gold with uh, lace and a bow um, dress for the, for the main party. Mm -hmm. And then her after party dress was a more casual pink, striped um simple dress <laughs> <laughs> just cash um <laughs> she was great she she was a total trooper she stayed in my arms the whole time was not really um she she was very excited about the cat food cake oh, yeah. <laughs> the two-tiered wet cat food yeah. cake was what got her excited. and didn't have to share it's not i was like and, 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 I was like, and there were 50 cats came with their owners yeah. nope, nope. All, all humans <laughs> one cat <laughs> um so i you know i i just this wine tell me a little bit about this wine. i don't know but um this is your inaugural vintage yep um uh, which and this is this the, the two vineyard source or which one? Yes, yeah, so this is two vineyards. So total, I had eight barrels. So I sourced from the Lakeview Vineyard, and there were eight barrels total. And then when I blended, I chose four um, to go into the single vineyard. And then I wanted to do a Russian River Valley, and thus I needed to source uh, another vineyard. 
because otherwise it's just two single vineyards. And uh, so I went to my production manager. I make my wine at a custom crush facility in Windsor. And I said, hey, if you know of, any, of anyone who has a couple of barrels of Russian River Pinot, I'm looking. He said, we have some. I was like, fantastic. I'll come by and pick up a sample. And then I, uh, I tried the sample, and it was absolutely delicious and mixed very well with my Lakeview. It's really lovely because the way that Grand Cru made it, they made it with more whole cluster and less new oak. And mine was the opposite, more new oak and less whole cluster. So I think it's a really nice balance between the two. And then and then a, a big difference as well between my single vineyard. So if you, I, mean, I wish you could see the color. Very dark, dense color. Um, I would assume by design, like you said, yours was a little more new oak. I mean, and it's not too not too crazy high in alcohol, but it's it's very. I mean, I like pinots like this. I mean, I love them, but like I like a this darker, bluer, mm-hmm. blacker side of pinot. Agree, definitely, and that I I would attribute to to the oak, like you mentioned, and also there's this enzyme that I use that I learned about from Philippe Camby from Chateauneuf de Pop. And this enzyme really helps with more extraction during the fermentation process. When you see the fruit after after it's been drained out of the tank, that fruit is is done. It's exhausted. It gave everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of mushy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're like, oh well, that enzyme really works. <laughs> I love it. Um. So growing up, was your family into wine? No, actually, which is um, pretty interesting because I now being in the wine industry, everyone talks about, you know, having wine at Thanksgiving and what did you what did you guys have? And and my answer is fruit punch. <laughs> that's that's what I saw everywhere. And um, and so it was just not really a thing. And then when I started working at Silver Oak, that's I mean, a lot of us are older. My grandma, true Catholic as well, has 26 grandkids. So, <laughs> yeah, re- reflect on that. It was always very busy around the holidays. And so I started at that point, you know, we're all a little bit older. And I think that's when they started to be okay introducing alcohol to the family okay. and, and showing it as an okay thing to be having. So I started working at Silver Oak and I would bring over a bottle and there were $70, $100 when yeah. I was working there. Yeah. And, and my grandma had those very tiny little glass options and or or red solo cups <laughs> and so i'm like all right out of red solo cups like all right here you go uncle and, Cheers. Wait, and uncle's like put some more in there yeah <laughs> uncle wants the full 12 <laughs> ounces yeah the cup can hold <laughs> right no uncle robert don't do that <laughs> it's a little bit five ounces for sharing <laughs> all right so you're growing up um and then you, which I, which I think is so interesting, is that you went to UC Davis, which is most people know it as a wine school. I mean, sure, it's a wine school, but you studied psychology. So how? Do, what? Why did you choose Davis? And then why did you choose psychology? Yeah. Um, so psychology was um, uh, my cousin. He went uh, when he was 18. He joined the 
the military and he did a couple of tours in Iraq and mm. and when he came back there was definitely some PTSD and okay. I I wanted to 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 get involved in trying to figure out how to help those those types of people who had the that trauma um so that's why I chose psychology and then uh, just as doors opened and things changed. I became the teen center director for the city of Davis. And, and, and then from Was this there, while you were still an undergrad? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I was pretty young <laughs> being that, but I was also the right age for being a big kid. Right. I think I've worked in nonprofit and, and I think that, uh, and I, this it's not about me, but it's so funny because we have this in common. I worked for a nonprofit that people were older; they were mm -hmm. all boomers, and I was the youngest one. And I'm like 48, and I and I was like, we need to hire someone who's 20 something. She's like, why? I'm like, because I don't know the kids. Like, I don't listen to them. I'm not trying to listen to their music. Sure. Um, I don't know the TV shows. Like, I don't have that relatedness. Yeah. Um, and I think that, and and in the nonprofit sector, there is certain places where people you know you get you can get a grant people get their money every year they make it their five hundred thousand their million dollars and they have their mm -hmm. budget and then they're just for me catching a check because i don't know if they're if you're not connecting with the people you're not going to help them yeah so i was going to ask you about that so <clears throat> you're mexican-american what kind of was the population around davis same was it was it because was it more was it a high latina latino population not, not that I saw. Okay. Quite honestly, um, definitely a lot more Asians um, okay. over in Davis or or Caucasian. Um, yeah, not not too much as far as Mexicans or or blacks. Um, but suffering the same issues as people typically associate with black and brown people. Would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and it was it was such a small community. Um, it's kind of unique in that. Uh, there's about 10 miles on every side to the next town. So it's, it's kind of its own little mm. bubble. And, and the closest, I mean, would be, I mean, Sacramento and Sac State, but that was still 20 miles away. And so it was, it was, yeah, like its own little bubble. Um, I really liked it. It was a very sweet town, but I came to Sonoma County for greener views and cooler weather. <laughs> I was tired of the hundred plus degree summer days. Oh yeah. 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 Because yeah. yeah. um, when we, when we, when we watch TV here on the East coast, they're not showing the central Valley. They're just showing close. <laughs> they're showing LA yeah. or San Francisco, <laughs> maybe a show in San, I don't know if there was ever a show in San Diego, but you're not, you're not yeah. getting the high desert. And that flat brown, yeah, hills in the background type views. No, it's very much more the romanticness of of the ocean and the vines and the big city life in San Francisco or or L.A. Um, yeah, not even they don't even do shows like Sacramento. <laughs> nope, nothing to see here. <laughs> Keep moving. Just state capital. Keep it moving. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's all you got. <laughs> um, so you so you said so you were, you were director of this youth center, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, and. Um, after you graduated, you continued doing work in the nonprofit sector. Yeah, so I was uh, with the with the uh, city of Davis for the the teen center, and then moved to Sonoma County, and then that's where I joined the teen center for the boys and girls club, and and that was so. Then being in Sonoma County on my weekends, and you know having those vineyards and those wonderful wineries in my backyard, 
I became a tourist in, in my own town and started going wine tasting every weekend, really just drank the juice and, and found that I was very interested in in wine and and my palate was starting to evolve and I was able to pull out uh, red fruits as opposed to just wine and and so <laughs> Tastes you know like wine <laughs> yeah. it's made from tastes like wine. grapes yep <laughs> tastes like pinot noir grapes yeah this is alcohol yeah. <laughs> and mm. and so so then that's when I started to look into working for a winery and that's when I started at Silver Oak all right so let's 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 delve into um the nonprofit the boys and girls cuz mm-hmm. you said I read somewhere <clears throat> and I think it was in our warm up or where, but like you're like Working with kids. So what were some of your biggest challenges um, yeah. working with teens? Sure. Um, I mean, there are teens. <laughs> I think that sums it up, but <laughs> to expand. So, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> um, so at, at the city of Davis, um, the kids that went there wanted to go there with the Boys and Girls Club. It was more of an after-school program where they had to go until their parents got off work, uh. able to pick them up. And so they were just disgruntled, um, disobedient, just wanted to fight and argue about doing their homework, um, wanted to watch TV. There was, you know, the bullying going on and and it was it was frustrating it was i mean the the program did and the super you know the owners and and such they did their best to support everyone um but but it's a nonprofit so yeah. there's not a lot of resources and um and yeah it was just it was just really difficult and and i didn't feel as if i was making that difference anymore that i was doing at the at at Davis, at Davis, um, there was a real difference that I was experiencing with the teens because they were already open to engaging with me and engaging with adults or older people, and and so at the Boys and Girls Club, it wasn't wasn't like that, and um, and so then more resources changed, and so that position was also starting to change, and it was starting to move me into more of the uh, the elementary. Um, spec- sphere okay. of, of mm-hmm. kids and so doing some stuff and splitting my time as opposed to full time with teens which I love a, a full conversation or a real conversation as opposed to what you have to have with four year olds yeah yeah no that makes sense <laughs> and so so because the position was changing too and I was finding this um, this enjoyment in wine and having it in my backyard and so close it just was this natural transition to move into wine and so <clears throat> that makes sense. So um, had you visited Sonoma or Healdsburg before you, or just just when you started interviewing for the job? Was, and- I, had, I had been there a couple of times um, and uh, gone wine tasting. I had a friend who, um, who was a, a wine buyer up in Washington. And then when, um, when she would come down and visit, she would – you know, call up her accounts and then they would set her up. And so I did get some exposure that way, but it wasn't until I was in Sonoma County that it was all around me and, and harder to ignore. Um, back in Davis, I was more so buying wine from the grocery store still. Not that that's bad, but in it, California, it's I mean, limiting. It's, yeah, I mean, in California, it's, it's, there's just so much wine. So it's actually, 
if you're gonna buy wine in a supermarket, make it California. Yeah. <laughs> I had, I had, I had um, someone else from Sonoma on two weeks ago, and he was like, you know, just don't buy gas station wine. Yeah, although there is this this gas station in Yountville that has a pretty good selection. Well, Yountville. (laughs) It's Yountville. I know. There's like Schramsberg and (laughs) Schramsberg bubbles in the the refrigerated section. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it's Yountville. Yeah. And like I was at the Sonoma County Airport. Charles M. Schultz Airport. Who knew? Mm-hmm. I didn't know he lived there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Peanuts characters yeah, are all over the city. Yeah, yeah. But like, they got baller shit in the airport there. Like, and it's a tiny, <laughs> it's a tiny regional airport. Right? You, can, you can buy Opus One. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking it, airport. That's such a great airport too because it's so quick to move through and get to. Oh yeah. So anytime you can fly out yeah. of STS, <laughs> go for it. So it's it's just funny for us being here on the East Coast, man. Like you know, yeah, just. The abundance of wine out there. So you're you're in it. So you're in wine country, yeah. um, and like I said, you're being a tourist, which is really cool mm-hmm. to to be, um, and drinking on the weekends because like those little four year olds, <laughs> yeah, they will work your nerves. Yeah. Don't pick your friend's nose. Oh. Stop that. <laughs> I, I'm like, and I'm, what I'm tripping is like you studied psychology, not early childhood education. I actually had a minor. Oh, see, there you go. Yep. See. Yep. Yeah, so minor in government and early childhood. So, yeah. w- I mean, so was there ever thought? So you got earlier child education, psychology, and government. Like, were you like, I'm going to become a lawmaker? I'm going to pass laws. To yeah, help you know, I thought people. that um, you know, psychology and government and kids are everywhere. So I felt I was really rounding out the bases, and uh, really, it should have been business. I should have gone <laughs> into business or marketing or something of that sort. <laughs> That's what I would tell my younger self: don't do psychology, do business or wine. <laughs> but you know, it's it wraps in in the same. Yeah, I would say, um, and we'll get, but like, I would say even business, right? Because like, we'll. Get into your story. You can learn how to make wine, but yep. selling yeah. that shit's a whole other thing. That's the hardest part yeah. of winemaking. It's called the wine. No, because you're in wine making. We're talking about the wine business now, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you're going around. You're visiting places. Mm-hmm. Um, did you visit Silver Oak? Did what they on Craigslist? How did you get to work at Silver Oak? Did you visit? And- yeah, there's this uh, this website called Wine Jobs, and that's where everybody pretty much posts from cellar work to tasting room to GMs if they're not using a headhunter, and um, and so I I I applied, and it was one of those big group interviews where they team you up with so you and I get paired together. We chat for five minutes about ourselves, and then we stand up in front of the group, and I tell them why they should hire MJ. And and the person I did something like that didn't work out too well for me recently. <laughs> well, the the person that I was paired up with was horrible. <laughs> she, she didn't sell me at all. <laughs> But that wasn't the point. Right. You know, the point yeah. was to see how I could sell. And, you know. And this it, was straight for just a tasting room position. Tasting right? room. Yeah. Okay. Because so you're selling wine and, and they felt and, and believed, and it's, it's true, that they can teach. You know, say you you can barely swirl without spilling. They can teach you how to do that. They can teach you how to say Cabernet Sauvignon. Yep. But they can't teach that that friendliness, that authenticity and and I had it and so they hired me and and I quickly realized that there was so much more to wine 
than swirling without spilling and saying Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> and so, so I started going back to school at uh, the so, Santa Rosa Junior College. Cool. Let me, mm-hmm. I'm going to get yeah. into that. But so was this just a weekend position mm-hmm. at first? Okay. It was. Um, it was actually. So when I started doing that full time, um, I was. Uh, there's four different locations for Silver Oak. They have the Alexander Valley and the Napa Valley location, but then their sister winery, Toomey, has a Russian River and a Calistoga. So my home base was Toomey and Russian River, but then I would pop around to all of the different um, locations as well and pour at Silver Oak, pour at you know Silver Oak Napa, and and so that was a full time job, but kind of popping around between wherever I was needed. Yeah. And so before we get too high level, Mm -hmm. because like I said, um, a lot of people know, but tell people, uh, Silver Oak was like an early cult winery. Tell people a little bit about Silver Oak. Yeah. Who may not know. Yeah, of course. Um, Founded by Justin Meyer and uh, Ray Duncan. And Justin was the winemaker and they started back in 1972 and back in uh, back then, I think they their first bottle sold for six dollars, which everything else was around two. So it was kind of they came out the gate. Yeah, and and the other was like, who are these three times what we're charging? Yeah, no, exactly. And then and so, but Justin was just like, all right, fine, I'll sell it to the person next to you. No, 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 wait, give that back. And so because what what Justin did, which I think was was different back then, was he aged it for three, four years, okay. where everyone else was more in the one, two year range. Right. And Ray Duncan, he was more so the investor. He had um, oil, Duncan Oil in Colorado. That was his his money, and Justin I- was the talent. Thank you for because like I people don't wow like it it's a money thing what wine oh dear <laughs> you don't even know <laughs> no I know our listeners don't know yeah. people, people yeah people sure, are out here course. screaming like oh wine is I'm like that's why is wine fr-. so expensive or like why is it so because hard to break into because it's a money issue man it is. It really is. It's if you're not buying a good like a barrel or grapes, you're paying a fee or you know a licensing or to, and and everything with the states, they're all different. If I was interested in law, I would go to D.C. and free the grapes. It's just ridiculous. I know I have a lot of grapes. I've thought about it. <laughs> Do it. I thought about it. Do it for it. me. I, I thought about it because like I there's I like fortunately like there's some people who won't ship me samples because New Jersey's three tier. Other people are like sure. fuck it. I'm, I mean I am journalism so i should be able to get samples but like it's a mess it is i mean if you're over 21 why can't you get wine yeah like 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 i i want to buy this wine it's not available in this state Mm -hmm. there's not even enough for it to come to this state yeah most people wouldn't even pay this much for the wine Mm -hmm. give me my wine yeah i want (laughs) to give it to you (laughs) i would if i could (laughs) um so that's interesting so so and and also when i i hear these wine stories like yeah, this family made money doing this in this state. And, you know, and, you know, um, obviously in Napa, Sonoma, there are some families that were there for centuries, but then there are the people who came in. So, so that's now it's, I didn't know that about Silver Oak. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't realize they came out the gate higher price, mm-hmm. um, which makes business side, you have to recoup if something's sitting in a barrel for you have four to rec- years. for four years, you have to yeah. recoup that cost. Yeah. Um, 
Ray Duncan was like, it's not ready yet? Are you serious? <laughs> like, and, and you have to still buy fruit for the following vintage, exactly. buy barrels for the following vintage, storage. I mean, it's, yeah, it's an expensive project. <laughs> and, and then, and, and I love that you've worked so many places. And so to me, are they, were they, were they, uh, Cabernet, what were, what were they Cabernet based as well? So just like, no, so uh, Toomey is everything but Cabernet because Silver Oak is only. Yep, yep. And so Toomey was – it started off with Merlot when uh, Justin Meyer passed and, and started to get sick and then they hired their second winemaker. Now they're on their third winemaker in 50 years. And that's so another thing impressive. too. It's like wine jobs are hard to come by because people keep jobs. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. – like I was just at the Ridge tasting um, – I was at a Ridge Tasting the day before we recorded this. This won't come out for a few weeks, but um, <laughs> but like those guys, are like like yeah, he's been our vineyard manager for forty years. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, or I've been the managing director of winemaker for twenty five, thirty years. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's, these are. That's why you, we're going to get into why you have to do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So so how long were you at? Oh, and give us time. When what what years were you at Silver Oak? Uh, 2012 through 14. Well, I'm, I'm, this is, see, I needed to put some context because this is just getting better and better because this is 2012. This is 10 years later. So we're going to mm-hmm. have like 10 years later. Yeah. Um, okay. So you were there for two years and then, um, and did you strictly work the tasting rooms during that time or did you do anything else? I was a uh, tasting room. I did help with events every once in a while, but mostly tasting room. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then also what I started doing, I had this little side gig. I was a secret shopper for tasting rooms. Mm. So I got trained by this one company called Wise Wine Industry Sales Education. <laughs> I'll let that sit for a second. <laughs> and then uh, what they do is so Silver Oak, for example, would reach out to Wise and say, we want to send some secret shoppers to our tasting rooms. Um, let's do these experiences. Let's make sure we get these people or everyone or et cetera. And they give you the guidelines. And then Wise reaches out to me and says, here are the parameters. Um, let us know when you go. And then I fill out a survey afterwards, about 100 questions or so from was the wine corked? Was the music appropriate? To did they tell brand stories? Did they sell you on the wine club? Did they ask for the sale? It's amazing how many people don't actually say. So, would you like to take any wine home with you today? <laughs> and and I'm there waiting because I can't buy unless they ask because you don't want to reward that type of behavior. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, come on, come on, I have a budget. <laughs> like. This is how I supplement my wine fridge. Because <laughs> Silver Oak, even though I had an employee discount, it was still rather expensive. Yeah, it's pricey. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I did that on the side too. So I had a lot of experience okay. in the tasting rooms. Um, but upward mobility, like we've talked about, is was tight. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I went to Costa Brown. All right. So, oh my God. All right. So iconic Cabernet Sauvignon producer. Tell people about Costa Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so good old KB, <laughs> Dan Costa and Michael Brown. Uh, their their um, biggest rise to fame was being the Wine Spectator Wine of the Year in 2011. It was the 2009 Sonoma Coast, and they it was a completely different ball game because they're allocation based, which means they're their demand is higher than their supply, mm-hmm. which is the best problem to have yep. <laughs> in the wine industry. Yep. 
And so I would uh, get a call from someone saying, hey, this is MJ. I'm in New York, and I just had this wine. And I had your wine at the restaurant. I'd love to buy a case. Oh, thanks so much, MJ. I'm so happy to oh, hear that. Oh, let's back up. I just had your wine at 11 Madison Park because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't at – your neighborhood Fridays. It wasn't at the gas <laughs> yeah, station. It wasn't, and, and like, and on that list, it was probably like at that point, like five hundred bucks, right? At that point, and I'm yeah. gonna and and someone's like, I'm gonna buy a case of. So I digress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, thanks so much. Um, I'd be happy to put you on a on our list. And in about three years, we may be all, all able to offer you. Um, three bottles of not that one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the best part about it too, right? That's why people like that make a Sonoma Coast. Like, that's like you, you get it three years later. Like, um, waiting lists. Mm-hmm. I waited like, I've been, I was like on Synchronon's list for like 15 years. Oh, sure. Yeah. 15. That's and then people DM, I've, I've had people DM me like, hey, um, how, that wine's good. How can I get it? I'm like, you can't. <laughs> You yeah. could you could wait fifteen years, yeah. twelve to fifteen years, right? Or you could buy it on a secondary market. Yeah, put it in your kid's name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they'll get an offering. <laughs> so that's so you did that. So so what was your title there at Costa? Yeah, I was uh, I was in the marketing department. Okay. So my responsibilities were um, it was twofold: um, uh, sending Dan and Michael out to the world and. Um, promoting their wines, whether it's Michael doing wine dinners, Dan did them too, of course, um, or the auction events, High Museum, Naples. Um, and so so I, I worked with them on that. And then we also had this program called KB Inside, and it was uh, available to our, our top customers. But we, we just built this beautiful tasting room in the Barlow in Sebastopol. And... And so having the space, we could reach out to um, our customers and say, we will let you use this space for free. And and you can have your 40th birthday here. You can have your, um, you know, your Catsonera here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and you just buy the wine and or bring wine, however, however it would work and based off of what we had. And, and so I helped organize all of those events as well. Okay. And um, <clears throat> and they just were they strictly Pinot Noir? They have a Chardonnay. Yeah. Okay. As well, which I've never yeah. seen. That's how. Yeah. Freaking, small. Yeah. I was yeah. like, it wouldn't surprise me. If it did so. How many of these wines did you get to try? Like you. Oh yeah, they they were very generous to the employees. So I got a case of each wine for my allocation, and uh, and I. Bought all of it. <laughs> wait, she's sure that they, my wait, credit card company wait, loved me. I know. Like, she didn't say like, you know, they gave me a case. They like, I got allocated a case yeah. that I had to buy at not an employee discount. <laughs> but you better believe I took it. Oh no! Listen, I took it for sure. Listen, listen. I same thing when I when I got that call, when I got that letter. Like I got an offer. I'm like, well, it's going on the credit card. Yep. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> Damn it. Top ramen the next week, yeah, exactly. the next month. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, 
And how many different wines do they make? I mean, like you said, I mean, how many different wines do they end up making? Because they end up, they sold it, right? We'll get to that. They sold, yeah, okay, yeah, but. they sold, I believe, three times now. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I was there after the first sale and left shortly after the second. Damn. And they've sold a third time now. And now they're with the Duck Corn Wine Group. That's unbelievable. Um, yeah. What was the shard like? It was really nice. It's called 116. It's from uh, Russian River Sonoma Coast. 116 is the highway that kind of goes through mm-hmm. um, a lot of where the vineyards were. And Michael, he his his dream project would be to make uh, Montrachet um, mm. Chardonnay. Okay. And so, you know, he talks about like, oh, if I could fly the grapes out here and, <laughs> you know, do something here or there. Um, so it's more in that style, definitely creamier. Um, but very bright, good acidity, really nice wine. And they started that mostly um, for for wine dinners, having a white and not having to share someone else's yeah. white wine. Yeah. Um, what did you? What do you think was your biggest take? What did you learn there? Did you learn anything about winemaking there at all? I mean, yeah, actually. Um, so one thing that was actually like my first exposure to the production world. So at Silver Oak. Being with a larger company, everybody had a hat that was clearly defined with your responsibilities in your area. Um, Where at Costa Brown, everybody wore different hats because we were a team of about 13, 15 or so. And uh, so I had a lot more experience or exposure and, and interaction with production. So I would turn off my computer and then I would walk through the breezeway and go over to production and I joke that I was the annoying little sister, <laughs> which I've I've had lots of experience as. <laughs> and and I would just ask questions to Julian Hausepian. He was the cellar master at the time. He's their winemaker now. And just like, what are you doing today? What about that fruit you got in yesterday? Why? What temperature is the tanks going to be set at? Um, why are you doing that? And then he would answer questions and, you know, I'd kind of follow him going tank to tank and then be like, all right, go, go sort fruit. And so then I would go on the line and I would sort fruit and then, and then I would go into the lab and I would talk with Jeremiah Tim, who's now the winemaker for Michael Brown's, uh, projects, Chef, Chef. and Cirque. Yeah. And and he was the I'm analogist. on a list, but I couldn't afford. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, things happened during COVID. I couldn't think of it. I was like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we were just pouring at the uh, Healdsburg Crush event, which benefits the Boys and Girls Club. And Chev, we just right come next full circle. Us. Yeah. Now here we go. I know. I'm like, I remember setting up for this event <laughs> as an employee, and now I'm pouring. <laughs> And uh, and Chev and Cirque were right next to us. Sarah and and another employee were there. Sarah Brown and so um, chatted with them and got to taste it. It's very nice wine. Still, he still got it. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Yeah, um, but but then so you know I would chat with Jeremiah Tim and what's pH? What's TA? What does this machine do? If I sneezed in it, would it be bad? <laughs> would you be mad? No, if you're making natural wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's okay. The alcohol will kill the germs. <laughs> And uh, and so that was my first exposure, and I loved the camaraderie and the energy around fruit, but I am not a morning person. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that production is the, the early morning game, um, I held off on that for a few years. Now I wake up early for grapes or golf. <laughs> there's a if there's an eight a.m. tea time and I gotta wake up at seven. Okay, fine. Set the alarm. <laughs> Grape delivery coming in at five thirty. Okay, fine. Set the alarm. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll hear from me after nine. <laughs> <laughs> totally. If you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And how long did you spend with the, the Costa Brown? Yeah, I was there for about two years as well. Okay. Right. Yeah. You're putting your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to learn a lot. And then... Um, what... You know what? This is a yeah. perfect time to take a break. Great. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to find out what happened to Marae after she left Costa Brown. So we'll be right back in a few seconds, everybody. Okay, we're back. Um, two years at Silver Oak, about two years at Costa Brown. Where did you go next? From there, I went to Martinelli. Which, again, iconic. Tell people about Martinelli. I know them. I mean, they do grow everything, but like I, they're Zens, and, mm-hmm. but they do Char, they do Pinot. Mm-hmm. They sell a lot of fruit too, right? Yeah. Okay, so tell people about Martinelli. Yeah, Lee Sr., he's the patriarch. Wonderful, amazing man. I have so much respect for him. Um, seeing him in the vineyards, he's, he uh, had his wine glass kind of tilted over his foot, and he's kind of pivoting around. And it's like, this is not your first time in a vineyard with a wine glass. <laughs> and, uh, and so he um, was was an absolutely lovely man, and or is. And, uh, and then his sons are farmers as well, great growers. And his daughters um, are involved on the wine side. And so they started Martinelli Winery and worked with Helen Turley. Um, she was their consulting winemaker for quite a few years. Because they used to just sell before, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Is this the same Martinelli's that's apples? It's not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that, but that also is in Sonoma. Uh-huh. And there were people that would come into the tasting room expecting Where's the apple cider? something non-alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, all we got yeah. is alcohol. 15.5. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry. So so yes. Helen, so they they were selling fruit. Then they consulted with Helen Turley, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's just Google her guys. Yeah, yeah, that's all we can say. Yeah, because we I have to get to Marie's story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, amazing winemaker, and uh, to say the least. And um, and so I started working there, and I was uh, running events in their hospitality program. So David Hale, who was the CEO and um, and GM for Costa Brown. After they sold the second time, which he helped with that with that transaction, he went to Martinelli, okay. became their GM, and then he reached out to me and said, "Hey, we could use you here." And and so I went over there, and then David left shortly after to pursue Domaine Della, his his wine brand full time. I'm happy to give a shout out to it. It's beautiful Pinot Noir. I'm gonna look for it. Yeah, uh, Della. Is uh, Domain Actually, Della. Actually, I'm going to text you and be like, hey, yeah. <laughs> hook me up with your boy <laughs> who David. Did, who did right? you say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him you got to hook MJ up. Man. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's fantastic. Um, wonderful guy. Amazing winemaker as well. And um, and so so he left to pursue Domain Della. And then uh, I was only there for about a year before I started at Hall. Yeah. So Martinelli – Iconic uh, Zen, um, Pinot Noir, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, some other those, stuff, right? uh, I think they might have a Syrah as well. Yeah, I mean they got yeah, people, kind of play around got, with they, a couple they, of yeah. other things. But um, yeah, I have to ask you this because you work there. Mm-hmm. I have, I I think I went there years ago, but no, I think I drove past it. But like, sure. What does Jackass Hill look like? Oh my gosh, it that's a that is. Uh, Great to associate with Martinelli. Jackass Hill, Jackass Hill's in. Um, it is really steep. It's a 60-degree <laughs> slope. And um, Lee Sr., who's 
over 80 um, won't let his sons uh, farm it because he says it's too dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, 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 I'm told, and you probably can, can, can confirm or deny it, but mm-hmm. like, you can't even you, – you, if you tried to plant a vineyard like today, the, the California wouldn't let you plant oh, it. Oh, no. It's so dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. Um, they're you know concerned about erosion and just that And how did they factor, how did they farm but, it? I mean, I, obviously, when he first started, it was it was a, it was a jackass a, and a plow. A horse. A horse. And, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> jackass, yeah. <laughs> well, the name came from only a jackass would, would plant, plant on that <laughs> – on that hill. What are you, a jackass? You're going to kill yourself making wine. I know, exactly. I think someone did die on that hill, No, I listen, I believe yeah. it. Um, I think a tractor tipped. Yeah, I've heard yeah. that because they, they have those crazy 70-degree things mm-hmm. in places in Germany. And, and they're like, doing people the die doing yeah. art. Like, like you got to be really careful. Mm-hmm. Which is why Lee Sr. won't let his sons do it. Yeah. And they're like, Dad, we're, you know, we're more men. alert than you. Yeah, we could do it. And no, no, no. You're, you're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And so then you went to another I mean, damn, it's like big name, big name, big name, big name. <laughs> yeah. You went to Hall. I did. Tell people about Hall. Oh man, that was uh that was the time. That was fantastic. So I started actually um as the the PR manager who's fantastic. Her name's Lisa Covey. She was on maternity leave. So I filled in for her. And then at the time, Craig and Catherine Hall, they wrote a book called A Perfect Score, uh, just detailing the wine, their wineries, and getting a 100-point score from Robert Parker. Catherine Hall, didn't she work in film or something? She what? was the U.S. ambassador to Austria. Okay, that's not film. It's <laughs> not quite. Not but, quite. But that was her. Um, and, uh, and Craig and Catherine, they're, they're Dallas natives. Well, Catherine was born in California, but they live in Dallas now. Um, and Craig has a hall group and is involved in hotels and financing hotels. Um, people, you don't like the, the money. <laughs> the money in wine is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it is. That's what they say, right? It takes a large fortune to make, make a small, small one. Yeah. yeah, in the wine industry. Um so yeah, so now you're like a PR person. Yeah, yeah. So I was doing PR and and the halls they wrote their book a perfect score and they wanted it to be a New York Times bestseller. Which we did. We got it on the list. It was number 11. I say it was so good. I got number one twice. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and and Catherine and I we traveled the country um, promoting the book. So oh, nice. we went to Hawaii and um, Florida and Amazon and Google and Boston, Dallas, just all over the country doing wine events, dinners, and so Catherine and I obviously got to know each other really well. And at the time the project was ending, her assistant was leaving. And so it was a natural transition for me to move in as her assistant. So I became Catherine's assistant for um, for the remainder of my time at Hall, um, which was absolutely fantastic to have that um, to have her as a mentor, mm-hmm. to to be a fly on the wall with with her and everything that she was involved in. Um, and, and, and just to, to kind of be in her life, which was really remarkable, um, whether it was her philanthropy or, um, or her, 
her dedication to the winery, to her children. Um, she's a mom first and foremost, as we've talked about, that unconditional love for moms. Mm -hmm. My mom's my number one fan. <laughs> and um, and so I that time with Catherine was, was very valuable. Um, she's a Democrat, so we hosted quite a few different fundraisers for Governor Newsom, for Pete Buttigieg. Actually, do you remember the uh, – Pete Buttigieg and the the dinner in the wine cave. Oh, that, that was that hall where, that was where us. they're like. That was us. Where they come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where it's like on the debate stage, yeah, and right. and uh, Warren was complaining about yeah. Pete taking yeah. money from millionaires, yeah, and yeah. he's like, "I'm the only non-millionaire on this stage." Exactly. <laughs> and she's like, "Next question." Yeah. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, he's the only one with any taste in wine. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah there's a picture that that circulated in the press where I'm in the background and I look bored as fuck. But <laughs> um, and I probably was, but I was also thinking in my head like, okay, so we have the valet cars. Well, exactly. You're not charging the, the corner. Yeah, yeah, not, it's, it's not celebration yeah. for you guys. No, no, like I'm Secret Service got something in your ear. You're like, what's this? Yeah. What's going on with that? Yeah, no. Right. I know. I'm in heels. I'm yeah. burned. <laughs> I'm like, when is this dinner going to end? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, so just a great experience and exposure with Catherine. Um, truly appreciated my time there. And then uh, in 2020, when the world had to pivot, uh, we went to virtual social media for our um, our engagement and for finding, you know, people to try our wine. And so what Lisa did was she went out and found some amazing talent, A, B, C-list talent, um, but we had everyone. We had gold medalist winners. We had, um, you know, screenwriters, people who wrote for like Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm. We had... Um, uh, and then we had like Tina Fey and the cast of Schitt's Creek, um, Catherine O'Hara multiple times. They're still doing it. They just had uh, um, Kevin from The Office, <laughs> um, Brian Bumgarner, I think, Bumgarner. Um, yeah. And so so that I became the producer for those shows. And um, and so we gave ourselves a lot of grace because we weren't producers. That's not that wasn't really like our expertise. But we tried to never make the same mistake twice. And so uh, so that was some really fun exposure. And then that's where I met Adam Lee. He was a guest on one of our shows when we were talking about the Santa Lucia Highlands. And and from there that's that was my next my next stopping point. Okay. <clears throat> Adam, we'll get to you. <laughs> we wanna know more about Tina Fey. Um, <laughs> um so how did how did how did the outreach how did uh, were these People who had purchased the wines, uh, like yeah. So uh, we uh, we gave we gave them wine, um, sent them wine to um, to taste on the show with us. So it was about thirty minutes, and it was uh, you know you had the host, and there were three brands with Hall, Hall, Walt, and Baca. Hall is is your Bordeaux style wines, Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc. Walt is Burgundy, so. Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, and then Baca was um, or is Zinfandel and and kind of other. They did a Mars on Roussan, um, so that's kind of their opportunity to play around and be a little bit more more playful, which is more of that brand and and focus. I'm I wasn't so familiar with Baca. I know Walt. Who was making? Who was the winemaker at Walt? 
Uh, Megan Gunderson. Okay. So she's the director of winemaking now, or VP of winemaking, I believe. Um, so she oversees Hall, Walt, and Baca. And then Allison Frichtel is the winemaker now for Walt and Baca. So I, I'm hearing these names. I'm sitting here with you, a Mexican-American <laughs> woman. There's a part of it that says there's a lot more women involved in wine than people think. Like, there's people who have made a platform over the past few years. Mm-hmm. But from my experience, there's, there's actually a lot more women involved in wine than you think. They're just busy doing their jobs, not worried. It's, you know, like, is, is that – I mean, like, you've just named, like – you said Helen Turley, you know, we can go sure. back to Heidi Barrett. We can go, yeah. There's so many, like, and then, but even there, there's like woman, 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 woman. Yeah. And, and that was, um, I mean, obviously if, if there's a man doing the job, that's, that's fine. And, and that's how, you know, if it's, um, if he's the most qualified, yeah. then that's how it should be. But Catherine definitely loves, um, the idea of empowering women. I love and that. so, um, actually, one of the things that I just started doing this year is I joined the board of this organization called Wine Women that focuses on empowering women in their in their careers and in the wine industry. And I'm the director of programs, and so of course you are. Look, of like, course, look what you, you've been working <laughs> with. Yeah, and so put Marie on programs. <laughs> yeah, right. Give her the events and and the contacts, and so. Um, so yeah, working on, on putting together, um, just my Q1 and Q2 right now is what I'm in the process of and, and highlighting women in, in viticulture in um, in marketing and HR and, and as GMs. And, um, and then there are some men who are in the, uh, wine women membership, mm-hmm. but it's more so focused on bringing or highlighting women and what, what we're doing. It's awesome. Thank so, you. so you met this guy, Adam Howard Lee, because he was a guest. <laughs> yep. Um, how did he um, tell people who Adam is, and then how did, did you guys get to have him as a guest for these, these virtual things? Because he, you'll tell people. I mean, I know him as a Pinot Noir guy. So, but mm-hmm. you, so just yeah. So Adam Adam Howard Lee, <laughs> Adam Lee, he is the he uh, was the co-owner and winemaker for Siduri Wines. And he sold that to Jackson family in 2015. But uh, he started that back in 97 and um, made 108 cases of Pinot Noir. Robert Parker named it one of the top 10 Pinots of the year. And, and thus he was, he was on. And so he started making wine from Oregon, Santa Lucia Highlands, Santa Barbara, Russian River, um, one time we tried to count how many vineyards he's been in, and we were well over 60 before mm. we were just, okay, that's good enough. Yeah, that's plenty. <laughs> yeah, that's, All right. That's you a lot. worked okay, with a lot fine. of vineyards. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so he, um, and then he also had a second brand called Novi, and that was, um, other wow. wine. So, I didn't realize he was yeah. Novi. Yeah. So Pinot Noir was Siduri. And then Novi was other. And so we got to play around with a couple of different things. But really, Pinot Noir is his passion. And so in uh, for the event or for the happy hour show, we had Megan, who is the winemaker for Walt. Mm-hmm. And we were highlighting uh, Santa Lucia Highlands. Okay. So we had Gary Francioni from uh, Rosella, from Roar Winery. But he's also the farmer of Rosella's Vineyard, Gary's Vineyard. 
um, Sabranis and C.R. Marr. And then we had Mark Pizzoni, who's the son of Gary Pizzoni. And um, and so these are all like the, the pioneers of the Santa Lucia Highlands. So the people who are planting um, Pinot Noir over there 20 years ago, maybe, yeah, about 25 years ago or so, late, oh, early kind of... 2000s. Well, I visited Gary Pisoni. Ooh. <laughs> First person to ever visit him this, in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't making wine yet, but he was selling fruit. Sure. As, um, as Pinot Noir? Yeah. Yeah, because he used to have Cabernet. Yeah. But then they realized yeah, that no, it wasn't Yeah, no, it was Pinot the, Noir. Yeah. And then I got to get him on the podcast, the crazy story. Supposedly it's DRC. <laughs> but then, 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 then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a great it story. Just, it was just uh, some cuttings in his pants. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he said, and I'm there, and I'm at to see DRC. And uh, this is my family's future. So I hopped the fence, <laughs> cut some bubble, showed it down my pants, and got on a plane. <laughs> yeah. He, he says that, you know, the security were like, uh, what's going on over here? He's, he's like, like, I'm Italian. Welcome to check yeah, it yeah, out. He's like, I'm, I'm Italian. Italian. Yeah. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and if you see a picture of Gary Pizzoni, you just know that. He, he said he, that. He matches the personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, he, he has a, a letter that's framed from the DRC saying, um, hey, you need to stop telling that I'm those sure. are cuttings. And, and so people will be like, oh, where is it from? And he just points to the picture <laughs> on the wall and it's just like, that's all. <laughs> yeah. That's And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Um, but yeah, so I know he was there early and, um, um, and then uh, so – you got these guys together and you did this event with your winemaker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we did this uh, happy hour on Facebook. It was, you know, highlighting a, a Walt, a, um, a Clarice, a Roar, and a Pizzoni. And, um, and so I was a producer for these shows. And so I would research the guests and, and create content and work with the mm-hmm. team on, on creating um, what we were going to talk about because you can't talk about, you know, the same things that you're going to say with an Olympic gold medalist runner as Tina Fey, as, you know, uh, Reality Housewives. Who'd you have, TV. Allison Felix? Who, who was your Olympic runner? I'm just curious. I used to run. Oh, um, I'll have to look that up yeah. for you. He was back in 2008. I think he won in 2008. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, we asked him. We're like, "Where's your bling? Let's see the bling! Like, come on, <laughs> yeah. give us, the, give us the medals." He's like, "Okay, here you go." Yeah. <laughs> We're like, "I'd be wearing that every day, <laughs> walking around like there's people who finish the marathon in eight hours. Like, yeah. I completed the marathon. They wear it to work the next day. Dude, yeah. it took you eight hours. <laughs> right, it took you eight hours. <laughs> These are Olympic medals. He's like, got to beg them to bring it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and so so creating the content, I researched Adam. I knew of him from Sudoria. I had been in the tasting room, purchased mm-hmm. some wine, and and then I I heard about or read about Clarice Wine Company, which is what he started after selling Sudoria, and uh, no, and he sources from Gary's Vineyard and Rosella's mm-hmm. Vineyard. Knowing those vineyards from uh, Costa Brown, I signed up. I loved the format and and kind of the benefits that he was creating, and I knew he was a great winemaker, and so I I signed up and. And so my name crossed his email, you know, both as the producer for these shows and then also as a wine club member. So after the show, Adam reached out to me and said, hey, that was a uh, fantastic show. I know in large part because of you is very well organized. I also saw you became a Clarice member. 
Um, and it turns out that we lived one mile away from each other. So I was um, to the right of the freeway and he was to the left. And and this was a, a brief time in COVID where all of the, not all of the restrictions were lifted, but, but places were opening up again. He said, do you want to meet up for a drink? I thought network with Adam Lee, of course. And so we met up for a drink. And where'd you go? Uh, it's this uh, little place in Windsor called Corks and Taps. Okay. Yeah. So it had a you know wine and a beer bar, and uh, and so yeah, we exhausted that list and just kept talking. And and he was uh, growing his his wine consulting business, as well as Beaumarchais was in in full effect, as well as Clary. So he was looking to expand. Um, and get a little bit more help. Okay. And so that's why we met and started talking, and uh, and then and then thus. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Something got lost in translation there. As I look at the rock on her finger. <laughs> oh, this thing. Yeah. <laughs> So we started, uh, I started going in the vineyards with him, Okay. Um, started to just kind of get an idea of what he was doing, what was going on. And then, um, and so it was, it was definitely moving in the, the idea of me working with him and being his GM. Mm -hmm. Um, but in 2020, we had the fires as well as COVID and all that other fun stuff. And so, um, pause, mm -hmm. sorry, 2012, she's working in the tasting room. On the weekends at at Silver Oak, and here we are, twenty to eight years later, she's about to become the GM <laughs> for Clarice and Beauchamp. Beau Marche, yes, <clears throat> my French is horrible. <laughs> Not a great word, man. What are you talking about, <laughs> Beau Marche? <clears throat> yes, and so wow. Yeah, yeah, it's it is kind of interesting when you put it like that. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's just that's you know just the your next life. day. But the, yeah, that's what I do. I'm like skirt. <laughs> Major went to UC Davis, majoring the wrong fucking thing, <laughs> and is about to become GM of a guy who, who's an, uh, um, he's a beast. He's a he's a he's an artist. He's an animal. He's an incredible winemaker. Okay, he is. He is. Yeah, and so. Um, so then we had the fires in 2020, which destroyed the the vineyards for um, smoke tank. The, the the vineyards didn't get burned, but the smoke but in the, the air. The, the, the vintage, there was no wine produced. No, not in not This in is Santa for Sidori. Who who was this effect? I'm not like, everybody in Santa Lucia Highlands and really? a lot of Russian River. Yeah, Gary oh. and Mark didn't pick any any reds. Okay, because um, they have some Syrah as well. They yep. did pick some Chardonnay, yep. and actually there was one winery that picked um the week of the fires and at first they were like oh shit we picked too soon like this is it was too early and then and then the fires happened and it was like yeah we yeah. picked just in time we're like this is fantastic we got wine this year bitches <laughs> exactly and we're like oh give us some of that exactly. <laughs> you lucky ducks <laughs> and so um, so, so then with an entire vintage loss for Clarice mm -hmm. and then half of the vintage loss for Beaumarchais, there wasn't a, a, a push. Which for... is so tragic in so many ways, mm -hmm. given that Beaumarchais uh, was a project between 
Adam and Philippe Combi, who is you'll hear you, you'll you've heard earlier in the episode is you, the Godfather Grenache, mm-hmm. and uh, had always wanted to make a Pinot Noir because the grapes are actually pretty similar in, in in their flavor can be similar in their flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always say. Uh, Pinot Noir wants to be Grenache when it grows up, <laughs> right? Because um, it's not as fickle, and yeah. you can, you know. But um, so it's really sad that that was lost because mm-hmm. he is no longer with us. Yeah. So I'm sorry about. That. Did you, you meet him though? I did. Yeah, I did. I'm yeah, sure he's a wonderful man. He he really was. He he's he's a lot of fun. He loves his cheese. <laughs> yeah, he loved like he was a, he was a hedonist. He yeah, lo- <laughs> <laughs> he he lived the way he wanted to live. He was obsessed with flavor, as what Sam Couture told me. He was obsessed with flavor. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, really so that's, great really, guy. that's really sad. Um, okay, so you're losing. He lost Clarice. He lost uh, yeah. Beaumarchais. So, yeah, so the need for me to join as his GM wasn't there at, for, for that year. I joined uh, last year in 21. But um, but by then we had already created this this relationship. And so it was like, you know, I we still want to talk. We still want to hang out. And then found that there was more. And so then we started dating and and then yes, now we're engaged. <laughs> um, because I have to marriage, unless you go on farmersonly.com, dating like up in wine country can be tough, right? <laughs> it's not like <laughs> farmers only. <laughs> nice. I think about that with Patterson people. <laughs> so we're 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 on to like tasting your second wine, which is a single vineyard. Yeah. Um, Lakeview Vineyard. Um, tell us about the Lakeview Vineyard uh, and uh, what you think about your own wine. Yeah. So Lakeview Vineyard is in the Green Valley sub-appellation of Russian River Valley. It's is that out- more towards the coast? Where- it is. Okay. Yeah. Sebastopol. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So definitely cooler, foggier. And um, and so I source from there, James McPhail. Um, for his tongue dancer wines, Toomey actually gets fruit there. Gary Farrell and Hundred Acre um, is uh, coming out with a Pinot Noir project, apparently, and and they source from there as well. Oh, Landon, you are on my list, man. You did not tell me. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and so, so great vineyard, wonderful neighbors. Obviously, lots of people understand that it's some really good fruit. And I didn't get a lot. I got about four tons, and um, and so that came out to about eight barrels. And so how many how many cases does a barrel make for people who twenty five? That's nothing. It's not. No. I mean, I mean, I mean, ostensibly, it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's my consumption. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. Yeah, and so. Um, so then I made this with a little bit more new oak and it has that enzyme that we learned about from Philippe and I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's definitely a bigger in your face type of Pinot, um, one that you can age or just decant if you can't wait, which I can't. That's why I, I like that about a wine, right? Like I'm like, listen, we didn't decant this, um, but it's still pretty tasty out the gate. Um, but yeah, I learned that when I moved to California. People just, that's what you do with young wine. You just throw it in a decanter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was bottled in July. So when people purchase this wine, I, I include a little thank you note. And and I always tell them, you know, hey, if you if you have to enjoy it now, I totally get yeah. it. But give it a good decant. She has great handwriting. Young. 
she's pinched <laughs> she wrote me a night note right nice note when she first sent me some wines i don't even know how i got on your radar but um i appreciate everything um yeah no this is this this is um it's it's all just preference there's no right or wrong but i i, I think i like this what happens when you go big on Pinot? Mm-hmm. And there's times when I'm like, oh, this is so beautiful. It's so erythral. But most of the time, I'm like, mm. yeah, Pinot, show me, show me, show up, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And and so one thing for for my wines is because it's my first time with this vineyard, and and Adam's first time too. He's my consulting winemaker, but we, um, I have it in four different types of cooperages, so barrel makers, because I don't know which one I like yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one's going to work best. This year, I, I changed it a little bit, um, and now I only have three. But, um, but yeah, I think it's it's going to be a learning process for me for a few years as I see – I mean, 21 was a different vintage than 22, which is going to give you different fruit and different flavors and complexities. And and so really it's just important to keep tasting. And, and what I'm trying to do is make a wine that I want to drink. And uh, I'm not going to chase a, a critic or a trend um, because if I don't sell this wine, I have to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I'm totally fine drinking all this wine. When I made my rosé, it was 108 cases, and I thought, I could drink 108 cases of this if I had to. <laughs> Thankfully, I haven't had to. People have been... Um, that was a rosé of Pinot Noir, correct? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, you sent me that. It was delicious. Thank you. Um, so I, I think I stepped over something here. Um, when did you decide that you were going to make your own wine? Because you're you're about to go to work with Adam, Jim. Mm-hmm. You so you come on and do stuff. Obviously, you're hanging around incredible uh, wine growers, winemakers. Um, I mean, at this point, you are in it. Yeah, like you're known. Like there's probably nothing doper than being known like in Napa and Sonoma Valley. It's like, oh, that's Moraine. Like just that's got to be so dope. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know us us winemakers and our egos. <laughs> I I get I get how the winemaker ego comes about because everyone oh my gosh your wine's so fabulous you're so amazing oh you look so great I'm like me what oh I thanks just, I just rolled out of bed <laughs> so lovely of you to say how kind um, but but yeah I mean because I was doing everything with Adam I mean we're a small team it's, yep. it's him and I and and we have a couple of vendors that help us out with you know shipping our wine or or people to do our website and stuff but. But for the most part, it's just us. And so when when we have to check vineyards and and because we're a small team and we consult for about half a dozen others and, and our vineyards are all over California, um, I need to be able to do what he's what he could be doing. And yes. because if he's going down to Santa Barbara to check out some vineyards, I have to be able to go to the tanks and taste them and make sure that things are going well. And so because of that exposure and that proximity and and doing everything too, Adam was actually the one who was like, how come you're not trying to make wine under like your own label? And I'm like, well, I didn't go to school for it. Um, it's expensive. Um, I I don't I don't know. Like, why would I? And 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 so it was it was a little bit of a consciousness or um like a conservativeness with my palate, just kind of mm-hmm. thinking, oh, yeah, I can say I like this wine, but is that to say I can make a good wine? And so one thing that Adam did, he came over to my house one time and he had a Shiner bottle, so no label, no Those markings. Those are the best. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, as for me, as as a journalist, like just get when someone just like just wants to send me their wine before it like go. That's that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And uh, and so he brought one over and and he was like, I have a wine for you to try. And I said, Okay. And and so he pours it and I'm like, What is this? And he's all, You tell me. All right, fine. So I swirl it. I'm like, Well, it's a red wine. <laughs> Got that. <Yeah>. Ding. <laughs> I'm done. <Yeah. laughs> and uh, and then he was like, Okay, what what varietal does it does it smell like? And and so I was all, uh, it Smells like a Cabernet. He's like, From where? Paso, Russian River. Or Dry Creek. I'm like, no, it smells like Napa. And so by the time I, I got done, I I said that it was a, a young um, hillside Napa Valley fruit. But it was different. It tasted more floral, a little bit more finesse. And so I was like, but it's not like a Napa wine. It's made by someone else. And uh, Hall had actually um, sold a couple of tons to Roar Winery, which is a Pinot Noir maker. Look at you. Of, of their Sacrache fruit from from uh, Rutherford, which is – it's a um, mountainside vineyard that I actually would run around on my lunch break because it was Catherine's property at her at, – um, Oh, you that literally winery. run for I exercise. I literally <laughs> ran around – yeah, ran around it with my dog <laughs> on my lunch breaks. And um, and so I'm like, oh, well, that was pretty cool. <laughs> I guessed it. You know, I knew. And then a couple of days later, he comes over with another shiner. And he asked me to do it again. And and that one I, I got too. It was a Russian River Zinfandel. And and Roar had gotten some fruit from Carlisle Winery, Mike Officer, one of Adam's best friends. And um, and so that gave me – more confidence and and then I was like okay I'm not doing that anymore I'm two for two and I'm I'm, I'm ending at yeah. a thousand and um and so so that's what got me thinking and then I and I said well what would we do and how would we do it and so having Adam's um advice and input and his expertise has been invaluable um but everything is my decision it's um it's my ideas, my goals, my focuses, my preferences, and um, and then he just gives me some some tips. Or um, I'm not a I'm not a fan of math. I don't do numbers well. <laughs> show show me you know some typos or a comma out of place, and you know eagle eyes on that. But but now I'll head down. Um, or I'll, you know, hand him my paper and say, can you check my math <laughs> on my additions? <laughs> and he'll be like, looks great. Or why are you doing this? And why are you adding this acid? Or why are you? And I'm like, well, because it's, you know, it's the rosé and we're doing this and we're going to be, you know, and, and we talk it through and then he'll, you know, give some tips or we'll chat about it and, and make adjustments if, if necessary. Um, which is, which is really great. But I mean, he also makes me do everything myself. There's there's no honey. Can you right. you know honey? <laughs> can you order my barrels for me? <laughs> like no, you have to get them in. And and so he knows like okay, it's it's March. It's about time to start ordering your barrels. Get on it. And I'm like oh, okay. Well, let's see. How much am I going to be making? And what can we do? And and then you know making those decisions. So, um, what was uh, your first release? The the rose okay was my first release, and that was because uh, it was going to be featured at the World of Pinot Noir. Okay, we were going to be doing a luncheon focusing on Clarice and Beaumarchais, okay. and my rose was the welcome wine, the reception wine. 
And that was um, shared with us at the end of the year. And so it was a scramble for uh, bottles, labels, screw caps, <laughs> all this stuff because I wasn't planning on, on bottling it until the new year. But then when you have to add sulfur, you have the bottle shock. So I needed to get it and bottle much quicker. And that was actually one of the things that led to the design of the rosé. I originally, excuse me, I originally wanted um, white screw caps, tops, mm -hmm. but they weren't in stock. And so I went with green because it's the complementary color to pink on the color wheel. And yes, now... it is. <laughs> I know that because there's a uh, famous black sorority, the colors are pink and green. And I tried to figure out why that was. And it was like, it's the color wheel. I, that's a random fact. I love it. <laughs> and and that's and because I saw I was like, is she an AKA? I mean, her name is Moray. She's brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was supply chain. <laughs> supply chain and, and now that's a big part of my marketing, being a, a pink and green yeah. kind of focus and, and I like it and it's hey, pretty. Listen. I'm gonna hook you up. You need to get hooked up with it's it's like the oldest uh black sorority uh -huh. called Alpha Cap and their couple colors are pink and green. I love it. They would be all over that. Well, that's great because I'm making a lot more rosé this uh, year. Yeah. I mean, exactly. <laughs> so. Any of you AKs out there listening, we're going to make this happen. Yeah, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I only want 10 points. No, just <laughs> um, I, Yeah, because I saw it. I was, it was very striking. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then, what? so you said it was kind of went faster than you thought it would so you already had the uh, atf stuff handled so you were you were ready to go you're just waiting to for for like the colas and things of that sort or yeah whatever it takes to you know to be approved to sell wine i'm sure yeah. there's a process like... yeah no i i was not ready okay yeah <laughs> but like... but thankfully um everything did get get finished in time um and and so um, so yeah, I was able to release it and bottle in December and, and release it in March. And, and so this year I'll probably release the 22s in January. I'll, I'm out of the 21s now. Um, it, well, I have like five cases left, but it's reserved for, um, for her. She's like, for, she's for like my... I went down from 108. I sold 103. I'm going to drink these last five cases. I can yeah. do that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me and mom. <laughs> Um, and how did, was it received at the world of Pinot? Uh, that's really, that's gonna yeah. be scary. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, of, of all places yeah. too. I mean, it was, um, it was a appropriate for Adam to get me into that, you know, because I mean, Adam and his contacts and, and, and then also what he's making with Clarice and Beaumarchais, it was an absolutely fabulous lunch because it was really a, a lunch of comparisons, mm -hmm. you know, between vineyards, vintages, um, and what we have with Clarice and Beaumarchais is really cool and exciting. And, and then you throw in my, my wines. And so you have Russian River, Santa Lucia Highlands, Santa Rita Hills, and all three different winemaking techniques. And that's what's so fun about Pinot Noir is it's, they're all different, but it's all Pinot. And so it's not about, oh, you have to like the Clarice. It's you can find one that fits your palate yeah. and what, what kind of style that. you like. Um, don't worry. We got it. <laughs> we have it for you. Gotcha. And if you don't like the, any of these three, then you probably don't like Pinot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
the Pinot, uh, the Rosé of Pinot Noir was your first release. Mm -hmm. And then um, you have a wine, Stray Dogs. Stray Dogs, yeah. Yeah, so that one, the idea is, uh, so Adam and I, we blend Clarisse, Beaumarchais, Moray Brelin, and then we have uh, some clients as, as well that we help them blend. And we take um, those barrels that didn't make the final blend for whatever reason, a variety mm -hmm. of reasons. Uh, and and then we make a purposeful blend from there. And we so those stray barrels become this wine, stray dogs, and then 10% benefits animal shelters. And mm -hmm. there's the picture of our dog on the label. That's your dog. That's there. our dog. Yep. Um, <laughs> Stout. I said my wife saw it. And she's like, oh, I love this wine. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It just got sent to me. You know, it yeah. should be good. Um, and the one you sent me, I don't know what the vintage it was, but it was more Grenache than Pinot. Yeah. Yep. You're right. So that was a 2020. Okay. And uh, and there was Grenache, Mouved, and Pinot. Okay. And the the reason being, because it was 2020, so we lost all of our Pinot Noir fruit in the Santa Lucia Highlands um, to the fires and the smoke tank. And so to make some wine to sell to our Clarice members that are club members, uh, we went to Paso Robles where they didn't have any smoke tank. And so we got some Grenache Mouved from them and Adam made – a is Grenache. it an NDA or can you say and it might be an NDA, but you know where'd you get the fruit from? Yeah, Hollyhock Vineyard. Okay. Yeah. And it, yeah, and it generally goes to Tablas Creek. Yeah. Um, but we got a couple of tons. And so um so we made that wine for Clarice members, and then there were two barrels, stray barrels, from the Grenache Mouved and one from the Beaumarchais Clopepi. And and thus there was the beginning of I really box. liked that one. I wish I hadn't drank those two bottles. Now, now I know the vineyard sources. I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's pretty sick. Um, Clopepe, wow. Yeah. Um, and that's what's fun, too, about the stray dogs. So my 21, because we didn't source any Grenache Mouved because we didn't have to, thankfully, um, it's 100% Pinot from the Central Coast. So there's some um, Gary's, Rosella's, and Clopepe in that in that bottle. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to stay on your good side. Yeah. Some people just send me like six bottles every, every, you know, twice a year. I want to be one of those people just putting that out there for you guys to hear. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's amazing. And, and so he actually, he actually made the Grenache Mouved for the Clarice club members. Yep. And then he, he bottled it under a different label. Okay. Um, called Enow, E-N-O-W. And, uh, that's an archaic word that means enough. So it reads enough 2020 because by Got then it. we've all had enough. I mean, we yeah. had COVID and then the fires and, you know, all the XYZs of 2020. And so it was all just, the social you know, come on. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, exactly. So it was, come on, 2020. We've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so right now, you're, so this, this is your first Pinot Noir releases for the 2021. Mm -hmm. um, what, where are you at in harvest? Because you had a heat spike. Like where where are you at in twenty twenty two? Yeah. I'm I'm all in barrel, which okay. is fantastic. Um all of my rose is dry, my Pinot is in barrel, and then I also have a Zinfandel coming up this year. And uh More Ray. <laughs> where's it was it it's just Carlisle fruit like where's the fruit from? <laughs> Just Carlyle Fruit, just Martinelli Fruit, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
you know. Sorry, sorry for my car. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, this is actually, it's from Russian River. It's um, actually down the street from where I used to live. Um, but Mike, officer from Carlisle, has gone into the vineyard with us. We yeah, shared it, some samples. It, it, it's with Carlisle him. approved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Cohn, who's a Zinfandel winemaker, <laughs> he makes his wine at Grand Cru with me. And so when he's walking by and I'm tasting my Zinfandel tank, I'm like, hey, do you want to try it? And I share my numbers and with him. And he's like, hey, I'm worried. I love to try <laughs> He's such a happy go lucky guy. Oh, he's so he's sweet. A, shout out to Jeff. <laughs> yes, who's, Jeff. Who was supposed to be on the podcast when he was here, like, early in the year and couldn't make it out. I have I have a 2005 of his in my cellar that, yeah. and another bottle, but, like, that I'm saving for him to come on. But I didn't know. Jeff is going to be so happy. Jeff gets a lot of shout-outs, actually. As he should. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a just a nice, man. Low, he's a nice Yeah, guy. he is. Oh, and so so he's trying right my. After, just so you know. <laughs> he's trying my Zinfandel, and he's like, "I'm jealous of this lot." Well, that's like, huge. I know, and I'm like, "What?" So <laughs> tell me, Jeff, tell me that again. Jeff Cohn uh, was J.C. Sellers, but he was the winemaker at Rosenblum, uh-huh. which was just Zin centric in the uh-huh. 80s and 90s. You know about Chateau de Paz, right? Do you know about Chateau de Paz? Tell me about it. Oh, you need to talk to Jeff, but but. Dr. Rosenblum, he was a veterinarian. So he oh. used to make like a Rhone blend called Chateau de P-A-W-S. I and part it. of the proceeds went to <laughs> Animal Rescue. Fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And now you're working with Jeff Cohen. That's why I'm just <laughs> I have a random brain, but it yeah. all came together. Yeah. I'm now I'm I, you gotta send me some zen. I'm like pumped that Oh, you, I'm you, so you, excited. You got Jeff jealous. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. That was that was some high praise for sure. Letting him letting him try it and then showing him my numbers, you know, from the lab results and um and and that vineyard I was so excited. I'm I am so excited and I'm very happy with the juice that I have. Um, but that heat, you you briefly touched on yep. it, and that was a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> so the heat, um, you know, it was supposed to be about five days, over 100 degrees, and then it dropped down to like high 90s and then went back up. And so I'm checking out my vineyard every two days because it's about two days when you see the effects. Mm-hmm. And and that my Pinot was already in by then. So checking my Zinfandel, and then I was picking on Tuesday – and on Sunday, I went in and spent another four hours just dropping fruit that had been sun bleached, that had been dehydrated. Um, there's this other kind of berry that that was darker, and it just tasted horrible. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so just going through and, and spending more time in the vineyard and managing that, and and so it was it was unfortunate that I had to lose so much, but I'm I'm about quality, not quantity. And so, um, but what I did get in. Um, when I was draining the tank, I filled up a little uh, container of it was a thousand milliliters, and I filled up like a like about a seven hundred and fifty about a bottle of wine. And I'm like, "Is this crazy? It's a bottle of wine." I'm just sitting there drinking it, and Adam comes and he's like, "You're drinking all of your 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 wine. Like, what are you doing?" I'm like, "This is research. Like, I have to know what it tastes like before it goes into the barrel." Duh. Like, so I'm just getting. <laughs> Getting a little toasty. Taking it to the head too. Yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> watching this. Watching my tank drain. I'm like, this is fantastic. I love this. Then I'm so excited about it. <laughs> it was really good. And then uh, 
Jeff, um, you know, I mean, I just shared what I was doing with, yeah. with my barrels, but, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm putting it in Beyond and doing a little bit of this. And he's like, oh, Beyond's great with Zinfandel. Oh, that's fantastic. Good, 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 good. I'm like, oh, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited about that Zinfandel and getting that um, bottled next year. Oh, I'm I'm freaking excited. Are you kidding me? Um, which is so funny because my next question, what are you most excited for the future? It's getting my Zen and bottle for next year. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Uh, blending. Blending will be fun between the, the Pinot because I keep it in two different lots um, because I get two different clones. I get 115 and the 114 and I get more of the 115. So I'm able to put that into a two ton tank and then put the 114 mixed with the remaining 115 in another tank. And so then I get to play around with the different barrels. So it gives me a lot of different blending components come March. Um, do you and Adam have any plans to do anything with any uh, white grape varietals in the future or anything? Have you thought about that? Yeah. Yeah, so I'd love to get Sauvignon Blanc, but in 22, the yields were a little too light for the vineyard that I was looking at. But um, someone had a uh, a Muscadel, mm. a Sauvignon Vert, so kind of like a Sauvignon Blanc, yeah. and had three barrels that didn't fit their final blend. He was like, it's great wine, um, but it just doesn't doesn't work with with the entire blend so um we're getting that and then calling that stray cats oh <laughs> stray cats strut, no. yeah yeah um so and then a picture of our cat simba will be on that label <laughs> wow um so some of you may not know white bordeaux is bordeaux is all about the blend so sauvignon blanc can be simeon sauvignon gris or Muscadel, which is Savion mm-hmm. Ver, like mm-hmm. you said. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's not some it's not necessarily like this weird off varietal. Um, uh, I'm excited! Wow, yeah, a Muscadel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And and proceeds going to stray cat. I we I we, you know we have rescues. I have a rescue dog and a rescue cat. Good, good, um, good. So like your wines will always have a place in our house. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so. Amazing, amazing. Um, spending some time with you, getting to know your story. It's so fascinating. Thank you. Um, it's a pretty amazing story how far you've come. Um, what would you say, what would you say is the reason, what would you say, uh, is, is the fuel why you were able to, uh, get to where you are today? Um, not coming from, of an ag family. It's not like, yeah, my, you know, my, my dad was a farmer in the Central Valley, so I would go in the fields. So I understood, like, you don't, like, you hear those stories, like, and then people, mm-hmm. you know, they might go from cauliflower to grapes, but like, like, sure. literally, like, I mean, haul, boom. I mean, how, what, do, what would you attribute that to? Yeah. I mean, you're right, because nothing really set me up for, for this industry or, or this career path yeah. other than I, I would say, I mean, I, you know, mentioned in the 20 questions, my least favorite word is no. Mm-hmm. I love saying yes. I love saying, okay, how can we make this happen and how can this look and does this work well and how can we make it work well? And so it's really just my openness to seeing the possibilities and, 
and starting at Silver Oak on the weekends, figuring out if that was what I wanted to do, as opposed to just saying, well, this is the career that I'm in with the teens, and it's something that I have to muscle next through. Next 40 years. Next 40, yeah, yeah exactly. Oof. And I don't, I don't understand, you know, people who do that. Um, I don't mind pivoting, and I don't mind seeing what what could happen next. I'm very much of a, like a go-with-the-flow kind of person, and so if it doesn't work out, okay, well, what's next step? How do we... How do we pick ourselves up and go to the next space? Because, because um, I mean, sometimes it might not work out. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, there were like, I mean, Martinelli is a wonderful winery, but I was only there for a year. It just didn't didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But you take that experience and and you move forward and and see where you go to next. So, um, I I love saying yes, and I love seeing what could happen, and and so you know, Muscadel happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's Straight a t-shirt. cats happens. <laughs> Muscadel happens. Muscadel happens. Yes. <laughs> what the Muscadel is going on here? <laughs> the wow. Muscadel. The ideas are going. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, wow. Thank you so much. It was very, my pleasure. Very, very, um, just thoughtful, and hope you guys got a lot out of it. I did. This is amazing. Um, Moray, uh, thank you so much for being here. Tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing. Of course, yeah. So um, best way to find my wine is online on my website, moraybrelandwines.com. Uh, you can, of course, follow me on Instagram, moraybrelandwines or moraybrelin, and that's spelled M-O-R-E-T-B-R-E-A-L-Y-N-N. And for all you listeners out there, don't forget to check out the show notes for each episode. That's where you're going to find the info on the wine we drank uh, in this episode. Links to her website, her social media handles will be there, and uh, some other cool things we discussed. We're going to throw, we're going to throw, we're going to throw Adam a bone. We'll put some more stuff. But okay, um, fine. Yeah, you, know, you okay with that? <laughs> and until the next time, cheers to the Mavericks, the Flaskers, the Deep Drinkers, and all you wine drinkers. It's your boy MJ. Peace. Cheers. <laughs>